0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, September 3rd, 2021. I'm Caleb Brown. How are our opinions shaped around terrorism? John Mueller is author of the new Cato paper, Public Opinion on War and Terror, Manipulated or Manipulating? We spoke last month. John, you've written about this subject before. Uh, In 2018, you wrote about uh, public opinion and counterterrorism policy. Is it a chicken and egg problem that is public opinion? And policies relating to terrorism, or uh, I guess how do you how do you evaluate it? There there doesn't seem to be a baseline opinion that, absent some sort of manipulation, that the public would have regarding uh, terrorism and war and how the government how governments ought to react to it.
1: Yeah, that you're right. That is the baseline, and I'm basically countering the baseline. Arguing that in many cases the opinion opinion is basically bottom up rather than the other way around, uh, in that paper, and I also repeat some of that and develop it more in this current paper, um, uh, it seems to me a strong case we made for the fact that the whole thing about terrorism is because the public is so alarmed about it, uh, even though elite hysteria about it has declined over the over the decades. It has been two decades, of course. Uh, nonetheless, people still are as afraid of it as they were in to- in 2001 uh and um efforts to try to change that uh, have not really been made and when they've been made they've been cut off I mean, for because they basically felt that they couldn't do it so
0: the, the manipulators basically is the public not the elite it seems in this case with respect to uh public opinion and how what moves the needle on public opinion how does that happen
1: uh, well, good guess. <laughs> I don't know. If, uh, as I say at the end of the paper, if I could predict that with any kind of real clarity and regularity, I wouldn't be here talking to you. I'd be on Wall Street where I very quickly become the richest man on earth. Um, it, uh, in other words, being able to predict what people are going to do next or what they'll buy is very difficult. A good case of that is commercial advertising and uh, startup, startup uh, businesses. 80, 90% of them fail. They all try, they're all trying to manipulate people, buy my stuff, go to my restaurant, whatever it is, and most of them fail. And the same thing uh, is with um, uh, election campaigning. The consensus of experts is it doesn't make much difference. Uh, It's very hard to get people to change their mind. They already know what they think. You maybe tinker at the edges. It's marginal. Uh, And overall, when you look at the bully pulpit, uh, the bully pulpit has just basically proved to be neither, neither bully nor a pulpit. Um, uh, presidents have tried to shape public opinion, sometimes have been successful, but
0: many, many times they have, they have not. What evidence do we have that government actually helps shape public opinion?
1: Well, everybody's trying to shape it all the time. They're, they're, you know, they're issuing statements, they're doing, you know, handsprings and they're doing, you know, putting out ads and they're appearing on meet the press and so forth. Uh, and so what is happening is, and the media are doing that too, they're putting stuff out. Are you interested in this? Are you interested in this? And it seems to me the best way to look at this is not that they're manipulating people, but they're putting things on the shelf. And then the public decides what to pay attention to and what to care about. Uh, The public cares a lot about international terrorism, not all that much about domestic terrorism, for example. Um, Let let me give you another example from the the run up to the war in Iraq, which is discussed in the paper. Uh, Right after 9-11, without any help from anybody, Uh, a lot of, there's a huge increase in the number of people wanting to go to war against Iraq, Saddam Hussein's Iraq. Uh, And that probably encouraged the Republicans to think maybe we can get away with this. But a year later, it was back down to where it had been before 9-11. Then Dick Cheney and Bush, with basically the the Democrats more or less acquiescing, tried to sell going to war in Iraq, and it didn't go up much at all. Um, there's some bumps and wiggles and so forth, but basically what you had was a huge increase without any prompting uh, after 9-11 saying, we've got to get Saddam Hussein, which is not an obvious uh, conclusion. Then a decline over the next year in that, back to where it was before, and it basically stayed there. So uh, it, you know, sometimes you can say something and, it'll, and it'll, go, it'll go viral, but there's an awful lot of stuff being said all the time, and an incredibly small part, part of it goes viral. So the idea is you can predictably predict what people are going to uh, uh, turn on to is uh, is very questionable to me.
0: Then it's just news coverage of newsrooms deciding this is important. We should be talking about this. They do do that. Um, and that's to their credit. That's, we want them to do that.
1: What they think is important. They also, however, uh, uh, work particularly with things that are human interest. In other words, they try to play up things that will interest humans. Um, and uh, if a story doesn't get a lot of clicks, it goes away. If it gets a lot of clicks, either before or after the invention of the internet, um, it, it, they, they jump on it. It's a big story. And I give you, I have an example at the beginning of the paper, which I think is really good on this. In the 1980s, there was a big famine in uh, Ethiopia. Uh, the news media looked at it and said, you know, famine in Africa, that's, you know, dog bites man and they played it a little bit and didn't seem to get much resonance. Then one of the uh, networks decided, no, we got this is really important, interesting story. So they did a three-day story on the famine in Ethiopia, a country that many people have never even heard of, and suddenly it went viral. And then the media followed it up. Everything was you know, around this famine and so forth, and there were, you know, uh, uh, organizations put together and so forth. But they didn't predict it at all. They put it out there. They did cover it because it was a story. But the follow-up was entirely from the uh, clicks of the uh, of the consumers. Uh, during, another case in point would be, and uh, it's also in the paper, um, is uh, with uh, Bosnia. During the early 1990s, there were tons and tons and tons and tons of information about what was going on in the Bosnia and the Yugosl- breakup of Yugoslavia and so forth. Uh, polls, they basically showed people paid almost no attention to it. The only time they did pay attention was when one American soldier was shot down behind enemy lines. And then there's a colorful story about how he had to eat grasshoppers and so forth and finally made it to safety. And the other time was after it was over, Clinton sent in American troops to help police the ceasefire. Then they paid attention a bit. But all the rest of the time, you know, is just is just so much wallpaper for the most part. The press continued to continue it, they continued to cover it, because it is,
0: is a story that should be covered clearly. Uh, but it was not picking up much resonance. So we're constantly told that elites dominate public opinion. Yeah, they,
1: well, that's the problem. They and don't dominate the, it.
0: And, and well, how, how do you how do you characterize that? That continues to be a a statement that we hear yeah there's a lot of a uh, lot a lot of
1: that some of it is from surveys and you can do certain things on surveys uh on, in experiments that cause attention to drift for a while but then it very frequently goes back to what it was what you have to do is see that you know every cover of newsweek for example you date week after week is something so they want to grab people's attention with it and some of them do uh, and it's, it's, it's very hard to predict what will happen. So what, 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 has to happen, it seems to me it has to have to, have to be able to do that consistently. And the, and the ratio is basically not very good. Uh, sometimes uh, in, in a minority of cases, the story really gets typed up. Others uh, not. And in, in some cases where it really goes, it's obviously totally predictable. Like the death of Princess Diana, for example, or Michael Jackson. Uh, it's, that's sort of a no brainer. Uh, if you didn't cover that, people would still be interested in it. And so they jump on it. And then frequently, months later, they say, why are we still covering this story? They, I remember after Princess Diana about two months later, okay, it's an important story. We covered it. There aren't any more angles to deal with. We're still covering it practically by the day. And the answer was because that's what the people wanted. In other words, they were manipulating the media, not the other way around. You
0: cited an example here of uh, Barack Obama and how he attempted to, I guess, deal with the public perception of the threat of terrorism? What did he do? Well, he was
1: trying, um, and uh, there's a good report on this in The Atlantic by Jeffrey Goldberg. First of all, he decided that we had been much too alarmed by terrorism. It wasn't that big a deal. Uh, He he killed fewer people than died drowning in bathtubs, which is a usual comparison. So he sent out Joe Biden to try to test the, the waters, and they started out by saying, terrorism, even ISIS terrorism, which was pr- prominent at the time, uh, is not an existential threat. A sort of banality, in my opinion. And it seemed to go over okay. Then Obama talked to his staff about he wanted to go further. He wanted to say, look, we, 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 the chance of being killed by terrorists is like being drawn, less than drowning in a bathtub. And I want to say that as president. And they fought this rear guard action uh, to keep him from doing so and were successful because he was afraid. They were afraid of what the reaction would be. Uh, basically playing down, it seemed, a strong fear of the American public. So the manipulation, he was trying to manipulate, but it didn't work. And uh, the uh, instead, it was the other way around. The, the force of the impetus was really from bottom up. Um, uh, one of the things that really impressed me a lot was the increase of hostility toward ISIS. Uh, and when it came out in 2014, and that seems to have been mainly because they killed an American hostage or two and webcast it. And so you got this huge increase of people wanting to go to war against them. And the government more or less followed suit. But why that particular—you can, can see why 9-11 would be electrifying, you know, this incredible two big buildings coming down, uh, thousands of people being killed. But this is one guy or a couple other people later, and it really caused a major reaction. Now, if you're predicting that in the future, in the, in the, if you're trying to predict that beforehand, it's going it to be hard to see why you would uh, you, why you'd expect it to happen. Uh, and initially, when there was a civil war, when they first broke out, there wasn't much reaction in the public. What it was is this one act, which had almost the same impact, at least for a while, as 9-11. So that gives you the difficulty of trying to predict what's going to turn people on. And all I want to do is have people pay attention to that issue that frequently it's
0: bottom up. Influence. Sometimes they accept the cues. Sometimes they don't. John Mueller is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute and author of the new paper, Public Opinion on War and Terror, Manipulated or Manipulating? Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast pretty much anywhere and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.